All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Blue Family Unity. I'm your host, Elsa Kurt. And today we're talking about shit people say. <laughs> I don't know if that's actually going to be the title of the episode. Maybe if I put like a little asterisk right after the H and shit, <laughs> I can get away with it. We'll see. We'll see at the final result what that's going to be. But yeah, I thought this would be a uh, fun. And I say that sort of sarcastically and sort of seriously. I thought that would be a fun topic for us because law enforcement spouses, law enforcement people get all kinds of fabulous comments thrown at us and statements and questions and all of those things. So I thought it would be kind of fun to um, just address them all. And my my research for this was really easy. All I had to do was put on a, um, a live video or host a live video on TikTok and all the little trolls came running in to make all kinds of really cliche comments that we hear over and over and over again. Let's, uh, let's address some of them. And then you can tell me after you can tell me what I missed. I'm sure I, I'm going to miss uh, I'm going to miss some. Let's see. So one of the first things I'll address. So if you're just listening to the podcast and not watching it on YouTube, you cannot see that I'm wearing a, uh, a baseball cap with a thin blue line heart. So that's what my hat is right now. Usually when I do a live, uh, it's never happened to me in person. No one has ever said anything to me in person like this. But anytime I do a live video or just simply wear the hat in a TikTok video, someone will always say, um, or what was the last comment? The last way it was phrased to me was nice gang symbol on that racist hat of yours. That was the exact comment. So that's like a common thing now. Like that's their go-to. That's been their go-to forever, right? Everything is racist. If it goes against what they believe, it must be racist. And of course, police being the number one uh, offenders, you know, just by their very existence, never mind that police officers come in every single race and color, you know, that obviously doesn't matter. But anyhow, the whole symbol of racism with the thin blue line. How do I put this? That's a crock of shit. And we all know that. We can go through the history of the thin blue line. We could also go through the history of Blue Lives Matter if we wanted to. But um, the history, uh, and we will actually, we are, we are going to go through that because that does come up as one of the things the haters like to say. With the thin blue line uh, in the American flag, and, I, and one more thing to address with that, no, this is not desecrating the flag. Because that's the other thing they love to say, oh, you're desecrating flag by altering it. According to the flag code, that is not the case. The flag code clearly states that if you alter or do anything to the actual flag, then that would be desecrating the flag. This is a this is not a real American flag. So nothing is being done to harm or alter an American flag. OK, so there's that. So now the whole thin blue line thing. So I did what I like to do with these things. I did a little research. And of course, I'm going to share with you my findings. Most of us know that, you know, corporate media, the politicians and groups like BLM have attempted to reassign the meaning of the thin blue line. And so those unfamiliar with its true meaning in history are likely brainwashed into believing that it is a symbol of white supremacy an ironic and baffling contention as the men and women of law enforcement consist of all races, religions and ethnicities. So the term thin blue line and how it relates to policing dates back as far as 1854 during the Crimean War. The British regiment in their red uniforms stood their ground against the Russian army. The British formation became known as the thin red line. 
and thus later adopted by law enforcement as it related to their typically blue uniforms. In the 1950s, controversial Los Angeles police chief Bill Parker used the term thin blue line in many of his speeches and also later adopted it for a TV show. So controversial or not, his intention for using it was to show a polished image of the Los Angeles Police Department. Then in the 1970s and 1980s, the term was popularized in books and in movies. And in all periods of use, the term has always signified the police's task as being what stands between order and chaos. Within the Blue family, it is a symbol of unity, brother and sisterhood, as well as honor and pride. Let's take a break right here and we'll be right back. Hey, family, today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more within minutes of finishing your recording. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Let's create something great together. Following the link in the show's notes, Let's Buzzsprout know that I sent you and you get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan and it helps support our show. So join Buzzsprout today and let's get your podcast launched. All right, let's get back to the show. There's nothing racist about it, nothing remotely. They're going to say that no matter what. Even if they heard this explanation, they would still say, yeah, but, and that's fine. What is it? You can bring a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Right. So that's fine. But anybody who does want a little education, here you go. Let's see. What is the next thing they love to say to us? Oh, the the classic. If you support police, you must be a racist. Do you notice a theme here? It's the racism theme. Honestly, if you're going to say something like that, it's just uh, it's showing stupidity. I don't really care if that pisses you off that I'm calling you stupid. Supporting police does not make you a racist. And I know, of course, we know why they say that, because they are under the false impression, thanks to corporate media, that police target people of color. So if you support police, you are against people of color. That's, you know, that's their takeaway. That's their takeaway. They don't care about crimes being perpetrated. They don't care about victims of violent crimes. They care about criminals. And of course, that rolls right into if you support police you don't support BLM. Now, that's a longer answer because um, whenever I do one of those live TikTok videos, that's one of the you know top comments all the time or questions even. They, they always come in and they say, do you support BLM? Most of the time I'll answer them. Sometimes I just ignore them. And if I ignore them, it's usually because I've already answered the question like 10 times in the same live. So it gets exhausting just repeating the same thing over and over again. But I will do that for this podcast. I will repeat it for you guys. When they ask me or when they, yeah, when they ask me, do I support BLM? My answer is this. I say to me, it is an obvious given that the lives of black men, women, and children matter. It is a matter of course. If you are asking me if I support BLM Global Network, 
which is a supposed nonprofit organization, but is really just basically a, a terrorist Marxist group? Then the answer is absolutely not. They can suck it. And I'm very specific when I say that because a lot of people don't realize that the term or phrase or hashtag Black Lives Matter is not copyrighted or trademarked or anything, meaning anyone can use it. You could go today and open up a Teespring store and uh, call it Black Lives Matter and sell merchandise. And you don't have to share that money with anyone. Nobody's going to sue you for infringement or I don't know, whatever, something or other, because nobody can. So it's a phrase. It's a term. It's like trying to copyright something like, uh, you know, just a common catchphrase. Now, if somebody like, uh, you know, Michael Buffer is from um, boxing. He coined the let's get ready to rumble. I probably can get sued for just saying it. I don't really know. But people use that, then um, he could sue them and he could win. So anyone can use it. And just about anyone has. And there are groups that use that uh, hashtag or that phrase for good purposes, for doing good things, for trying to build uh, awareness and community support and better the lives of Black men, women, and children. And then there are groups like Black Lives Matter Global Network who are too busy lining their own pockets with the corporate money that gets thrown at them by all these woke companies. And people like Patrice Culvers, I believe is her name, goes and buys herself four mansions with it. And to the best of my knowledge, not a single family, Black family or individual has seen a dime of that. Not a single inner city kid has been helped. Not a single alleged victim of police brutality has been helped by them. Now, I would be, if you can prove me wrong, that would be fantastic. I would be totally receptive to that. I've simply not heard it or seen it and nor have a lot of people. There are a lot of people asking, where is the money? Where is it going? Because they show no accountability for where the money is. So no, I don't support them. And I don't feel bad about not supporting them because not supporting BLM does not equate not supporting the lives of Black people or people of color. So that is my long answer to that question. And they probably regret asking it every time because I do give them the long answer because I think it's important for people to educate themselves and know what they're saying, right? It's just, I don't know, it's just common sense, but we all know that that's out the damn window these days. Oh, let's see. So that one always rolls right into blue lives don't exist. They love to say that one. They always like to cap lock it too. You know, make sure that they're shouting it basically. Blue lives don't exist. It's not a thing. Yeah. So blue lives matter came out uh, not long after the whole Black Lives Matter concept came in, came out. And that was obviously in direct response to that. Because what was happening and what is still happening, thanks to corporate media, and yes, I will say this a million times over, corporate media, corporate media, corporate media, they are the root of all evil. They are pitting Americans against Americans. They're pitting black against white. They're pitting all of us against each other. And we are falling for it. And it is disgusting. So yes, when I say that, I, I do not back down from that because that's the absolute fact. So yeah, so that came about not long after because of what corporate media was saying to the world is that police are inherently racist. They are seeking out 
people of color to kill. I mean, literally, it's literally the message that they're putting out or they have been putting out. And they use things like the George Floyd incident to like prove themselves right. And of course, you can't see that I'm using air quotes, but, uh, you know, those they use, they pick their poster child of the year and run with it. And then they, you know, don't worry about any facts. Don't worry about anything, uh, truth coming out or the full picture coming out before you report things. Now, let's make sure we sensationalize every single thing that might give us ratings and, you know, cause conflict. So by the way, that's not in support of uh, Derek Chauvin by any means or those officers. There's simply no excuse for putting your knee on the neck of a a non-resisting suspect for nine minutes. No justification for any of that. So, but that's a whole other topic. I don't even know if we'll, I don't even know if we'll address that in full simply because it's, it's been talked to, you know, to no end. That's just to lightly touch on that. So that's not a support of uh, Derek Chauvin or the other officers. Uh, So what was happening with these protests and riots that were going unchecked by all these city government officials? They were letting the cities burn, ordering the police to stand down and people were actively attacking and trying to harm police officers, Molotov cocktails, rocks, bricks, all the way down to, you know, just simply slurs and uh, verbal attacks and everything under the sun and throwing feces at them, by the way, as well, and going unchecked. And they were ordered to stand down and to just simply take it. That's fucked up, obviously. And, um, you know, if you you not watched corporate media and you've watched other sources like Law Enforcement Today, The Daily Wire, Epoch News, uh, you know, and ones like that and, and more conservative platforms, media platforms, then you are more likely to have seen all of this. The proof of all is if you watch only corporate media, you probably never saw much of this. So I think you got probably one or two videos in the background. There was a there was a reporter in the foreground. And there was a caption underneath and then behind them, the city was burning, literally burning. And they referred to the scene as mostly peaceful protests while literally right behind them, the city was in flames. So I don't know how many people outside of our universe actually saw those images and those videos, but they are appalling. They're heartbreaking. They are enraging because what was allowed and government buildings were spray painted with things like die pigs, all cops or a cab, of course, is our favorite. Again, sarcasm, uh, a cab, all cops are, which if you don't know, their meaning of that is all cops are bastards. That is their term. And when they say that in my lives, I, I like to smile very nicely at them and say, thank you. Yes. A cab. Oh yeah. All cops are brave. And that really pisses them off. And that makes me laugh. Yes. Yeah, so that was a direct response in retaliation. And it was literally saying that the lives of the people that are here protecting you while you protest against them, their lives matter. I, you know, it's as simple as that. And just as many people who say black lives matter, they're saying it is as simple as that. So you can read whatever you want into things. You can try and turn it into something else that fits your narrative or your agenda, but facts are Let's take a break right here and we'll be right back. Hey, family, I'm inviting you today to join me as a member of LET Unity. That is Law Enforcement Today Unity, where they are bridging the gap 
between civilians and civil servants. It is being called the Netflix of the law enforcement community. Now, what do you get with membership? You get VIP service, which is events, promotions, and special services for members from America's most patriotic businesses. LAT Unity gives back. They reinvest profits into telling the untold stories of emergency responders, vets, and patriots across America. And you get exclusive content, full-length episodes of some of the most patriotic content in America. Unique shows, podcasts, and more. You'll get unlimited access to all stories, and you'll be part of an amazing community. Today, with my code BLUEFAMILY, you'll save 10% on membership. So join LET Unity today. All right, let's get back to the show. One of my favorite phrases, which I think is from Ben Shapiro, I think he kind of coined it facts over feelings. Your feelings don't trump facts. You can have your feelings, we can all have our feelings, but they don't change facts and all this crap about my truth and your truth. No, there is simply truth. You don't get to make up a truth because it suits you. If your truth is that you are a unicorn, that's just not truth. That's your feeling. That's your fantasy. That's your dream. That's your wish. That is not your truth. So let's not. Who coined that? I think that was Oprah. I'd be willing to bet it was Oprah that came up with that and everybody just like ran with it. And after that, everybody's like, oh my God, I have to speak my truth. I just have to be in my truth. Oh God, just do right. Act right. Be a good person. That's it. It's really that simple. What else do they love to say? Oh, okay. We already talked about that. The blue line, the thin blue line is apparently racist according to them. So, oh wait, how could I forget? So of course, the Blue Lives Matter movement offends. And then you add the thin blue line to the American flag. And then they really went batshit. So that is now, according to them, a blaring symbol of racism. Okay. So once again, I can give a little history. Uh, Right in line with the Blue Lives Matter movement, the thin blue line flag came about. So they're kind of like hand in hand. And that uh, came out around 2014. Uh, at least that's what it's traced to. That's that's like the earliest I could find of the thin blue line flag. Now, it certainly could have existed before that. That was just the uh, first acknowledgement of it that I could find. Okay. Um, so again, it came about largely because of what was happening, the unprecedented numbers of police officers being killed in the line of duty and ignored by corporate media and the liberal Democrat politicians and the, air quotes again, woke celebrities. In recent years, white supremacists and neo-Nazi groups appropriated the flag in their marches by waving them alongside the Confederate flag. The mainstream media loves to leave out that it was appropriated by those groups, unlike their penchant for screaming appropriation on nearly everything else. Once again, the thin blue line and the thin blue line flag represents unity, support, and above all else, being the men and women who stand between order and chaos, protecting the sheep from the wolves. Now, for irony's sake, let's discuss the BLM and the Aryan race symbols, shall we? Let's go there. As for the symbol most recently used by BLM, the raised clenched fist. Its origin dates back to about 1910 when it was used in trade unionism and uh, anarchism and the labor movement as a cry of resistance to oppression. In 1924, it was adopted by the Communist Party. 
1968, it was used on posters in the French Revolt. It was also used as a prominent symbol on two feminist books, one in 1970 and one in 2003. Uh, and also in the 1960s, it became known as the Black Power Fist, adopted by the Black Panthers. And this symbol, previously signifying the resistance to oppression, came to represent not only Black nationalism, Black pride, but socialism as well. Interestingly, its matching but competing symbol, the Aryan Fist, which is a raised white fist, is meant to signify white power. Hmm, interesting. So for anyone keeping tabs, we've got one group whose symbol signifies being what stands between good and evil, the thin blue line. And it's made up of all colors, races, religions, and with one purpose, to protect and serve the community. And then we have two other groups of people whose symbols represent the desire of one's group's power over all others. So, I mean, the absurdity and the audacity of anyone suggesting or implying or outright saying that the thin blue line flag is a racist symbol is actually almost laughable if it wasn't so infuriating and ignorant and repugnant. So, you know, there's there's just a little history for you, a little little more explanation of facts over feelings. The one that caught my attention the most, that gave me the most pause for thought was their very frequent assertion. They said this with absolute confidence. They love to say that, or they love to, in their mind, quote, that 40% of cops abuse their partners. I saw this come up several times in my comment section. And I saw it so many times that I had to, of course, wonder, like, where are they getting this? Where did this come from? I did some research, of course. So what I discovered was that what they are quoting, what they have latched onto, two studies were done in the early part of the 1990s, and they were small batch studies, meaning they only surveyed or questioned a very small percentage of a couple of local police departments in the area of this, uh, these studies. So it wasn't, wasn't a cross-country study. It was a small percentage. There were a lot of different variables going on. The questioning did not, by my reading, listen, I'm not, I, that's not my thing. Okay. So when I'm reading it, this is just my takeaway from what I read. And what they were saying basically was that like 40% of the people that they questioned said that are cops. It was police officers and partners that they questioned. And I guess they had actually different, some different questions going on. So things didn't quite line up. And, uh, you know, so they ask questions about uh, different types of abuse, verbal, emotional, physical, of course, and so on, and not indicative really of a whole. So when people quote this stat, it's, uh, it's from something that was done in the 1990s. So that is, and I'm not saying by, by no means am I saying that domestic abuse and domestic violence does not occur in law enforcement homes. By matter of course, they have a higher risk for many, many negative factors, such as, you know, obviously the high stress environment. They have higher risk of depression, alcoholism, divorce, suicide, and, and yes, domestic abuse can be up there, certainly. What the actual numbers are, what the actual, you know, 
uh, percentage is, is at this time right now impossible to know because no uh, widespread study has been done. So to say that it's to assume that it's 40% across the board is kind of crazy. And here's why. There are uh, approximately 800,000 law, sworn law enforcement officers in the United States. There's something like, uh, I looked it up, there's like 20,000 cities, uh, that includes towns, towns and boroughs and all of those things. I think there was, I'm looking at it now, I'm looking at my notes. So 15,000 of those were populations be- below 5,000. So that turns them, you know, usually it makes them a town and not a city. And there are 10 cities that have populations over over 1 million. So, you know, you're talking about all your big cities, right? Uh, you know, your New York, your Minneapolis, you know, all of your big cities. When you start factoring in big city police officers who work in these high crime areas. Okay, this feels like a good moment to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello, family, friends, and fellow patriots. If you have not joined the National Concealed Carry Association yet, then today is a great day to join. It is a community that honors the Second Amendment, our liberties as Americans, and promotes equality for all. If you go to my show's notes, you'll have a link there and you can use my discount code. So become an NCCA member today. All right, let's get back to the show. They are going to have higher stressors and stress levels. They have a higher likelihood of problems than, say, a small town cop. And I'm not minimizing small town cops by any means. I'm just stating that there is a difference in activity level in the types of things that they're going to see and encounter and have to respond to on a given day or a given year for that matter. So there isn't a good way to measure that because the stressors are different. And there was actually, uh, in my little research here, I stumbled upon a a thesis, believe it or not, a 63-page thesis entitled uh, Domestic Violence Within law enforcement families, the link between traditional police subculture and domestic violence. Uh, it's a very long title for that, but that was, uh, that, this was done in 2009. So that's kind of the most recent thing that I could find. And this was by a, a woman named Lindsay Blumenstein. So the most, re- according to her, mo- the most recent research says that law enforcement officers may, may perpetrate domestic violence at a higher rate than than the regular the general population according to her 28% versus 16% she bases on again she bases on contacting 250 law enforcement officers of which 90 responded and this was again centralized localized to one area which was central florida she used a and i don't know what this is cuz i didn't look it up sorry but she used the Tobit and logistic regression graph tool. I don't know what that is. Yeah. So she kept talking about um, traditional police subculture. And it wasn't until like a little bit later in her thesis that I was able to understand what exactly she meant by traditional subculture, blah, blah, blah. So what she was talking about is, um, you know, traditionally up until a certain time until like, I don't know, the 80s or 90s. The police forces were made up of a predominantly men. So they, those were the studies. You know, there, was, there wasn't any studies on really f- female police officers and the rate of 
domestic violence or domestic abuse perpetrated by by them. So she's referring to when she's referring to a traditional subculture, she means a male dominated law enforcement atmosphere, essentially. Her thesis, from what I read, kind of confirms what I've already said, that law enforcement officers in high crime, high violent areas have a higher risk of ill effects. They are at risk for more problems and more things. And one of those things could certainly be an inability or a lack of ability to process their emotions in a constructive way uh, from dealing with the job. And you could also say fairly that there is a likely a percentage of people who go into law enforcement with not the best intentions and not the best mindset. And I think we can all agree that those are the people we want gone. And when we discover that about them, because it comes out eventually, you know, it always you always find out somehow that, hey, this is somebody who doesn't deserve to be a police officer, doesn't represent the badge and as they should, and they have to go and there has to be consequences for that. You know, those are state for us. These are such obvious statements uh, for the general public, you know, they obviously have a different perception of things. And again, we can largely thank corporate media for instilling that. Unless you are directly involved with a law enforcement officer, unless it, anything directly affects you and your life, you're not very likely to, you know, learn all about it. So that's where I come in and people like me come in, law enforcement, family advocates like myself come in and say, listen, hey, if you want facts, if you want truth, I would be happy to share them with you. I would be more than happy to share them with you. And that is also with the realization that not everyone wants to hear it. You know, they're going to be determined to stay in their mindset, in their belief system, because it serves them and they don't want They don't want that to be not true. Usually it's somebody who's invested a lot of time and a lot of energy believing something and they don't want to disbelieve something that they've invested, that they've invested so much time in believing. There's not a heck of a lot you can do about that, but you seek out the people who are receptive and willing to have some data and some facts and some truth come at them. And I hate to talk like I'm just you know, I'm not a robot. I'm not all facts and data, facts and data all the time. I am. I'm definitely heart and feeling and emotion. And of course, that's exactly why I do what I do because of first and foremost, my my husband who embodies everything that a good or in my opinion, great law enforcement officer is and what that means. I know many, many through him, of course, through our life together. I know many, many people who fall under that same category. And I know so many law enforcement spouses who are as protective and as defensive on the behalf of their partners. So that's why we do what we do. That's why we try and combat all of the hostility and the negativity and the hate, the outright hate for police officers. And of course, we always like to remind ourselves, or I don't know, I remind myself of the irony every time when I say things like that. It always gives me pause because here we are, we have this you know, group of people, we have a group of people saying that they should not be, you know, essentially, like the nutshell is, they should not be judged by the color of their skin, that just because their skin is a certain color that they are and are going to behave a particular way and should be treated a particular way. And yet here we are villainizing people simply because of their 
work clothes because of what their uniform represents. So I don't know. It's just ironic to me, but maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. I mean, I am a little bit, but in a good way. That's what I tell my husband all the time. I'm crazy in a good way. So yeah, that is kind of, I think that's all. I mean, that's not all of them, but those are the biggest ones. You know, you get stupid ones, you know, the, just the stupid, cheesy comments like bootlicker. Has anybody ever gotten called a bootlicker? That's a new one for me. That's fairly new. I've never seen that before TikTok, um, but that's an obvious one there, you know, because uh, they wear, typically they wear boots. So if you support them, that must mean you're a bootlicker, you're subservient to them, subservient, subservient to them, and blah, blah, blah. So, but they amuse themselves with it. So that's fine. Whatever. What's the old saying? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names can never hurt me. Yeah, that's how I feel about that. Doesn't affect me in the least. It, what does affect me is that it affects other people who are, you know, trying to use their platform as well to promote awareness and support for law enforcement and or they want to do that that's this is who i want to reach the most to be honest with you i mean i want to reach all of you i I want you know i want this to resonate with you i want this to make you feel better i want this to make you feel stronger less alone all of the things those are all of my goals but in particular i hope this reaches my fellow leows or law enforcement partners who want to speak out who want to vocally defend law enforcement and their spouses or partners, but the overwhelming hate and bullying and viciousness of these these people deters you from doing that. Don't let them scare you. They're keyboard warriors, and I I try and I try and subscribe to this mindset that I actually read about in a book called The Four Agreements, which I highly, highly, highly recommend. It is not easy to do by any means, the four agreements. Let's see if I can remember them right off the top of my head. Let's see. So it is number one is be impeccable in your word. You know, mean what you say and say what you mean. Number two is and most relevant to what we're talking about right now, actually, is don't take anything personally. And this was huge. Like the 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 four agreements are actually very, very simple in concept in wording, but they're actually kind of profound when you try to implement them in your life. When you don't take anything personally, you live a much happier and peaceful life because you're, you just simply stop taking it personal. So even when they try to be personal and, and I meaning go with personal attacks, whether it's on your appearance or how you talk or uh, what you wear or anything, you know, anything, even when they go personal, when you step back and say, you know what, that actually has absolutely nothing to do with me. Their words, their behavior, their attitude, their actions has nothing to do with me whatsoever. This has to do with something internal uh, with them that they have a deep well of dissatisfaction in their own life, or you represent something that reminds them of something negative in their life. That's that's no fault of yours. That's no business of yours even, to be honest with you and with myself, because I have to remind myself that regularly, daily, when I do these things, these uh, live videos where they can say whatever they want to say. And I have to, you know, regularly remind myself 
that it's not personal. People who, and, and this is, you know, cliche, but it is absolutely true. That's why I love cliches because they're true. People who hurt other people, people who try to hurt other people are hurt people. They are not whole. They're not happy. They're not healthy. They are not fulfilled. They have no contentment. They have no peace in their life. How do I know this? Because anyone who has those things feels no need to attack anybody else ever. When you really stop and think about it, their words and their actions, negative, their negative actions and words are a reflection of their own lives and has nothing to do with you whatsoever. And the second part of that, of the don't take anything personal is actually that you shouldn't even take compliments and praise personally, because that's also subjective. It's because in, in this case, and it's not that I'm not appreciative. I truly am appreciative of all of the kindness and support that my community has shown to me. And I'm so grateful to it. It truly touches my heart and it means a great deal to me. However, I don't let it define me. I don't let it determine what I do and how I do. That has to come from within because, and, and you can use just any public figure for an example. Somebody can be on top of the world. People will love them to the, you know, or proclaim to love them to the end of time and that they're the greatest thing on earth. And the minute they do something, quote unquote, wrong or against expectation, they just are knocked off that pedestal in a moment, in a blink, and that's it. And they're done. And that can happen to anyone in any context, you know, and on mine, on my platform. On TikTok, I have like, I don't know, I think it's like 41,000 followers. I think that's what it is now, which is cool. That's really cool. I, I love that. That's great. However, the first time that I say something wrong or that doesn't meet the general approval, that'll be it. That'll be it. My followers were drop. you know, all, all of the things. And I'm well aware of that, that you're always a minute away from failure, essentially. And I think that's humbling. And I think it's good to be humbled. I, I like that. It keeps you on your toes. It keeps you focused, I think. And for me, the focus is always singular. It's not everybody else's expectation of me or hopes of me or you know what they want from me. It's what matters to me, what resonates with me, what I feel I need to do. And I, I try to do it out of, an act, out of acts of service. That's kind of my, my go-to. So I'm an acts of service person. I believe in using what you have, using the tools in your toolbox to do the most good that you can possibly do. So that's my goal. That's what I try and do. And this, this is my tool, my experience, my voice, my um, research, and uh, all of that stuff is, is aimed towards helping our law enforcement families thrive in this environment. Because if you don't thrive, obviously, you know, you're going to get eaten up alive by all of it. You get consumed by all the negative aspects of it. So we try really hard here to focus on the positive, find the positive, share the positive, and share the the tools to help you thrive. So I'm not saying I'm succeeding. I just hope that I'm succeeding. Uh, I'm just trying. That's all. That's all you can do. Keep trying. Let's face it. That's all we can ever do is to just keep trying and doing our best and trying to look out for one another. So I got off uh, a little bit on a tangent there, didn't I? So um, I think we're going to kind of wrap it up and call it a day. I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you got some useful information that you could use on other people, use on the haters. 
<laughs> Most of the time, I do have to tell you, though, don't waste your breath. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your energy unless it's somebody who is absolutely willing to have a dialogue with you and not an argument with you. So choose your battles. Choose your opponents wisely. <laughs> and that is it for today. So thank you guys so much for listening. And I, I look forward to talking at you in the next episode of Blue Family Unity. Take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and remember, together we thrive.